0: Yeah, Yes. An audio serial. Written and read by Daniel Kottier. This story contains adult themes, coarse language, themes of suicide and self-harm. If the contents of this story are triggering for you or anyone you know, I ask you to please call Lifeline on one Please be advised, this episode contains depictions of self-harm. If you are listening outside Australia, you can find contact numbers for mental health support services on our social media pages. These are found at Yeah Yes Audio Serial on Facebook and Instagram, and Yeah Yes Serial on Twitter. Chapter 2. Monday, 7th of August, 2017. I just don't know where to fucking start. The crap on these dishes is so old. I opened the cupboard under the sink to get the dishwashing liquid out, but then I was swarmed by barflies who seem to have grown out of the sauces and oils that are left in the takeaway containers. They've made the job impossible to do, so I can't start it. And if I can't start it, I can't finish it. I take a swig of bourbon and wince at the ground and that's a fucking disaster zone too crumbs and grey old carrot peelings which have melded to the floorboards. When he started the whole health kick thing, Mark hated that I didn't peel carrots. I broke the peeler once and then neither of us bothered to buy another one. He never cared until all of a sudden he starts going to the gym and his body is a temple and he can't eat carrots with the skin on. I take another gulp. Bourbon is losing its ability to calm these days. It knocks a few decibels off the endless thoughts, but once upon a time, it could silence them. Smoking used to help too. (laughs) It's so stupid. I know I'm probably going to kill myself soon, so why not have a ciggy? I may as well smoke up all I want. Lungs aren't much use six feet under. But for some reason, I just won't let myself. guess there must still be some pride lurking under the grime. I rest my head on the pair of silk ties that have been sitting on the table since I got fired. The boss used to go on and on about how expensive they were, so I didn't give them back. My tips probably paid for them anyway. Now they serve as quite a comfy pillow when I occasionally fall asleep at the table. The little pilot light of hope is only a few hours old, but it's sputtering out. I know I'll fuck up the trial tomorrow. I haven't used a coffee machine in three months. They're kind of like an oven. Each one is unique. You have to learn how it works. I will fuck it up. And when I do, maybe that's the time to go. But then I wouldn't want Erin to feel like it was their fault. Maybe I should leave a note telling her that, telling them that. Maybe I should just not go to the trial. I shouldn't have gone to the interview. I should have just gone under the bus. I look past the gunk and letters that are strewn across the table to the can of bug spray, and suddenly I know where to start. Take out, the takeout. I pull my jumper over my mouth and arm myself, shooting the toxic air into the breeding ground under the sink and slamming the door shut. A swarm come out at me and I shoot them down at close range. I run over and open the door, coughing out into the night air while the spray does its worst. Maybe I could shoot some of this into my bourbon and that would be a good way out. It seems quick and no bus drivers or baristas are hurt in the process. A few bugs fly past me into the fresh air. I let them go. If they've survived all of that, then they deserve to live. Beneath the sink is a twitching graveyard. I scoop up the stinking bucket and head out past the car to the wheelie bin and deposit the foragings of Uber Eats. Getting anorexia and starving myself to death was another way out that I'd pondered, but they've made it too convenient with Uber Eats. All of these delicious dishes brought right to my door. I don't even have to leave the house. A container that had pork belly and greens in it lands in the bin. Back in ye olde times, I would have to raise the pig, kill the pig, bleed the pig, gut the pig, butcher the pig, and then cook the pig. Now I just have to press some buttons on a screen and someone will bring it to me. Why would I want to leave the house? A few stars are speckled around the cold night sky. It's the only thing I miss about where I grew up, spending the night stargazing. I would sneak out for a cigarette at the park and look at the stars twinkling away. A chilly evening like this with a windfield blue was the best antidote to teen angst. I dream of being 25 and living in the city with a partner and an earring, looking at the same stars and smoking the same cigarettes. I'd escape all the small-town angst and loneliness and never look back. I forgot that feeling for so long while I was with Mark, the overwhelming panic of being trapped. He rescued me from that, and five years later, he dumped me right back into it, the bastard. I take a deep breath in and blow it out through pursed lips, pretending to smoke. My breath fogs as it leaves me, but it's not got the satisfying nicotine hit. I miss smoking for the drama, watching something toxic that was in you leave and purge itself into the night air. I take a last puff on my cosmic cigarette, watching the steam billow behind me as I head back in to fill up the sink and wash the dishes. I rub a thick layer of dust off the plug. Would some of this dust be Mark's skin cells? His molecules would still be all over this place. It's comforting to know that he's not totally gone. While the sink fills, I take another gulp of bourbon. It should be my last gulp for the night. I've almost finished the bottle, but it was half empty when I came back home. I don't want to be hungover at work tomorrow, but then I'll fuck it up and lose the job anyway, so maybe I should be a little buzzed. I squeeze the dishwashing liquid into the water, whisking it with a fork to get that bubbly effect happening. I became an expert whisker, making endless bloody omelettes for Mark. He may have been turning up his whole body, but my right forearm was like a rock. A mug is easy. Start with a mug. Pick it up. Dip it into the water. Get the sponge. Not that gross one that's old and crusty. Brush off the flies and get a new one from underneath the sink. Wipe it out. Put it on the draining board. Done. Success. One down. Another mug. And another mug. And another mug. And another mug. Christ, how many fucking mugs are there in this house? And another, and another, and another, and another, and another, and finally, another. Twelve. There are twelve mugs here to hold the hot beverages of one person. Ridiculous, especially when that person only drinks bourbon. I pick up a knife and drop it into the water. I pull it back out and run the sponge along the sharp edge. This knife is top quality. For our third anniversary, I saved my tips and bought Mark a really good and very expensive knife set. It was especially expensive when you compare it to the $30 gift voucher he gave to me, which his mother had given him for Christmas. I bought him one of those red knife blocks in the shape of a man for the expensive knives to live in. He's still here at least, reclining on the counter with knives through his head, pelvis and knees. I'm holding the one that goes through his heart so I guess Mark didn't leave me totally alone. I get it out of the water and press it lightly against the veins in my wrist. I press down so the weight is evenly distributed and it won't split the skin. After mum pulled me up on the frosty scar, I wised up. I only ever cut my thigh. I go over and sit on the rickety chair, pulling my pants down to my knees. Most of the scars have faded since high school. There are a few choice ones, but on the whole they've mellowed. I grasp the knife and hold it just below my undies and let it rest there. The dare of metal on skin. It's warm from the washing up water. I focus on the pressure, passing from my hand to the knife to my thigh. I drag it across. It runs unevenly over cellulite ridges. It hurts a bit when you have to drag it from the bottom of the ridge to the top but the fall has the best slice and hurts the least. It starts to bleed lightly. I don't think this is what Erin meant when she asked me to show my colours. I do another one just below it, then I do another one just below that. One for each month that I've been too scared to do what I need to do. Like the cold night air cigarette, it's not the release I want. I press the blade against my wrist again, but I'm too useless to take myself up on the dare. Just do it. Just fucking do it. I wish I knew what was stopping me. I am 99% certain that this is the right thing to do, but that 1% stops me every time. I drop the knife into the water. I'm not doing any more washing up tonight. That knife can sit there until it rusts. I go back to my rickety chair and look at where gravity pulled the little bloody rivulets when I stood. They've tried to find their way through and they've failed too. I haven't cut in so long. Nothing packs the punch that it used to. It's good to know that knife is still sharp enough, though. When that 1% lapses, I can head upstairs, run a bath, do two quick flicks, and gently let the rivulets lead me away. This intense, consuming, painful feeling would just float away from me. Maybe a person can only hold so much pain. Maybe that's what funerals are for. When you die, a certain amount of your pain is given to everyone you leave behind. Then they get together and show each other how much pain they've been left with. Maybe that's why suicides hurt so much. The person who's died had a lot more unresolved pain that they had to pass on to the people attending. I take another sip of bourbon and head to bed. I need to be well-rested to have the energy to fuck up a good opportunity. Yeah, Yes! is written, read, produced, and directed by Daniel Cottier. Music, editing, and sound engineering is by Nathan Barraclough. If you have any queries or concerns, you can contact us at yeahyesaudioserial at gmail.com. Tune in next week for the continuing adventures of Joe Mitchell. Thanks for listening.